as the Lord may be pleased to help us this evening, I would like to invite your prayerful attention to the chapter we read together, Luke chapter 23, and we'll take as our text the verses from verse 39 to 43. Luke 23, from verse 39, we read these words. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Luke 23, verses 39 to 43. <clears throat> I do feel much need of the Lord's help <clears throat> this evening, friends. We look at this record of our suffering Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> who came to do love's redeeming work, which he alone could do. <clears throat> and when we consider... <clears throat> that our Lord Jesus is absolutely unique. No one before him or since him has ever lived a perfect sinless life on this earth. He alone had that word that people heard from heaven. The word of his heavenly father who said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. We are all born sinners. Our Lord Jesus was born by birth miraculous, a divine intervention, that which was um, prophesied way back in the Old Testament, that he would be born of a virgin but we are sons of Adam and we've inherited that one title as we are born sinners and but for God's wonderful grace we would remain sinners and if there are any listening this evening who are made aware that they are sinners and that uh, they face an endless eternity and these things have awakened them we do pray that the content of the scripture here before us this evening might encourage them to seek our Lord Jesus said blessed are they that seek for they shall find Our dear Lord Jesus made that wonderful statement following his resurrection 
He said, I have all, he said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and teach all nations. And we do give thanks that there are those who have obeyed the call and gone forth to various parts of the world to make known the glorious good news of the gospel. Our Lord Jesus said that no man taketh his life from him. He said, I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This, he said, I have received from my Father. And uh, therefore, we must never forget that in every part of the life of our Lord Jesus, he is in full control. We read that very sacred chapter 23 in Luke. And uh, as we read it, we can see from there how the Lord Jesus made it clear in a statement before this that he said, no man taketh my life from me. He said, I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. He is God. And although it was somewhat of a complicated um, accusation and it was a trial that took place at night, which should never have happened according to their law, And yet, knowing that uh, the only way that God's divine justice can be satisfied is by himself being the sacrifice, he went forward. We read those wonderful words regarding our Lord Jesus, who we read, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Our Lord Jesus knew what the joy that was set before him was. What was it? Well, I feel sure our Lord Jesus had a knowledge of who would be saved, who he shed his blood for, and who he would enjoy being with for all eternity, including this poor man who died on the cross right next to him. The joy that was set before him, the joy was to be in eternity with his heavenly father. And uh, we read that he will say, Behold, I and the children whom thou hast given me. These are all the elect vessels of mercy for whom our dear Saviour gave his perfect life. But we read in Isaiah 53, and that's a remarkable part of Isaiah's prophecy, isn't it? We read, he was numbered with the transgressors. And when you get a few minutes to spare, and it's only a few verses, you read through Isaiah 53, and everything is written in the past tense, as though it's already happened. Although I think that prophecy was written something like 700 years before Christ. And yet, in the eyes of God the Father, in his eternal knowledge, 
we see the fulfilment in the Lord Jesus of, uh, as we read in the scriptures, the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. God knew that sin would come into the world. God knew that the only way that sin could be dealt with <clears throat> was not by people trying their best to be good, but trusting alone in the perfect sacrifice for sin which our dear Lord Jesus alone could give. He made himself an offering for sin. <clears throat> now the, um, at the time when the Lord Jesus gave his life to ran ransom lost souls, would have been the time of the Passover, so there would be many people from all over the place gathering in Jerusalem. Many would have been there at the time of the Passover. But we read quite clearly in the scriptures <coughs> that um, the Passover at that time was replaced by the Lord's Supper. And uh, whereas the Passover was looking forward in those days through the Old Testament to the coming Saviour, when we meet together, church members gather regularly, and the bread is broken and shared, and the wine is poured out and shared, we're looking back. The Lord Jesus said to those disciples around him at the first Lord's Supper, This do in remembrance of me. And he left us with a very simple, symbolic ordinance. It's called an ordinance, yes, because it was ordained by the Lord Jesus himself. So many would have been there to witness this... Um, unique event in the history of the world. <clears throat> Our Lord Jesus, in the high priestly prayer of John 17, began by saying, Father, the hour is come. The hour. <clears throat> that is the time in the history of this world when the people through the Old Testament look forward to. Abraham, we read, Abraham saw my day and he was glad. And we have many... Um, things to teach us from those Old Testament believers. But in the, <clears throat> after the uh, life of our Lord Jesus, it's a point in history that we can look back to. It's the hour, the crucial time in the history of this world, when that supreme sacrifice for sin was given, even the suffering and the death of our Lord Jesus and we must never forget the load that he bore in that garden of Gethsemane he took on him the full load of all the sin of all <clears throat> who would be the recipients of his saving grace and therefore our hearts should be filled with gratitude shouldn't they 
It is he alone who has purchased salvation. He alone laid down his life for lost souls. And as we read together of this solemn event, this crucifixion, in those verses we're looking at this evening, verses 39 to 43, we see where three men were taken to the cross. And a Roman cross was a very cruel cross. I remember seeing the uh, <clears throat> reconstruction of a Roman cross, and it was slightly different than any cross before or since. The cruelest death possible was at that time on a cross. The um, speaking great, with great, great reverence, <clears throat> the hands and feet of our Lord Jesus were cruelly nailed to that cross. And just below his feet, the Romans would fix a block of wood to the cross. And that would help support their feet. It actually prolonged their death. Without that, <clears throat> hanging with the hands would soon collapse their lungs and they would become unconscious. But instinctively, the sufferer on the cross would support themselves with their feet and it would actually prolong their, their death. And I think we can, <clears throat> in looking at it from that angle, we can see why <clears throat> the uh, soldiers were surprised that the Lord Jesus was dead already. They thought he might linger on a bit longer. But even in his suffering, dear friends, he was still in control. <clears throat> we know that he could have released himself from the cross. He did not. To purchase all those who would come to put their trust in him, eternally loved, he endured the cross. And at that crucial time, he cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. He said, no man taketh my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. And therefore, that cruel cross was there. Uh, they fixed our dear Lord Jesus to it. And there were three men. He was numbered with the transgressors. And two went to the cross as guilty sinners. One went to the cross sinless, and yet for sin he died. And one of those who went as guilty sinners, criminals, was saved by grace through faith. And we are favoured in the Luke's Gospel to have the detail of it. <clears throat> this account of the Lord being uh, numbered with the transgressors <clears throat> is found in Matthew, Mark and John and 
also in Luke, but Luke gives a detail regarding the difference between these two criminals. And we're favoured to have the record of it. One of the malefactors which was hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. <clears throat> that was one of the criminals. He turned to the Lord Jesus and railed on him, as though he could do something, but he didn't do it. He actually um, cast doubt on the authority and person of the Lord Jesus, if so be the Christ. And surely this reminds us, <clears throat> if we can take our minds right back to the Garden of Eden and uh, Genesis 3, <clears throat> where we read <clears throat> the question that the devil put to Eve, hath God said? He doubted the authority of God. Now here this malefactor is doubting the authority of Christ. He said, if thou be the Christ. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? This condemnation, this man said, I deserve it. I've been a criminal. I've broken the law. His soul was awakened to his true condition. And it's as though he could see an endless eternity in front of him. What was he to do? Well, he could do nothing, could he? If good works could save a man, this man couldn't do it. His hands and his feet were nailed to a cross. And there he was expected to suffer and die. But he was not without God and without hope, was he? He said, we indeed justly, for we re receive the due reward of our deeds. But... I always like the word but in the Bible. There's always something positive following the word but. But this man hath done nothing amiss. He saw in our Lord Jesus a man of perfect righteousness. This man hath done nothing amiss. <clears throat> this man, <clears throat> I truly believe, is an elect vessel of mercy. And what was shown to him is so remarkable. The fear of God was in him. We read in the Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. He had the fear of God, he realized his sin. He said, we receive the just reward of our deeds. <clears throat> and he realized the inability to save himself. We sing of it in that well-known hymn, don't we? Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. 
and so on. But here, this man knew it. He had an inability to save himself. He could only plead for mercy. He saw the perfect righteousness of Christ. This man hath done nothing amiss. That could not have been said of anyone else but our dear Saviour. And there was this man hanging on a cross in a helpless condition but he could still plead for mercy and he only looked in one direction whether he was on the right or the left we don't know but we read that the Lord Jesus was in the centre so both of those who were suffering were an equal distance from the same saviour but one were saved that none need despair one was lost that we should not presume and think in some way I will one day be saved our Lord Jesus alone is the way, the truth and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by him And that endless eternity was before this poor man as he had this conviction of sin and a realisation of the perfect righteousness of Christ. And he could bring nothing, he could do nothing but plead for mercy. We cannot begin to imagine eternity, can we? While we're on this earth... Our life is so often governed by clocks and time and uh, seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years go on. <clears throat> and uh, this is what we've always been used to. But eternity <clears throat> will be a situation where there's no beginning and no end. What a blessing it is that the eternal God is our refuge and underneath are those everlasting arms which cannot fail. Someone tried to write a a poem about eternity and uh, I think it begins eternity, eternity, where shall I spend eternity? And he goes on with an example, a type of parable. Came there a bird each thousandth year, one sang grain from the hills to bear. When all had had vanished, grain by grain, eternity would still remain. You just think of that picture, friends. If a bird came every, every thousandth year and took away one little bit of dust, one little sang grain, from this world a thousand years time came back for another one you can't begin to calculate how long that would take but when that had all gone eternity would still remain it's solemn to think that every soul on this earth is facing eternity but when we are brought to the realisation of it like this dear man is, 
he looked at the Lord Jesus and he no doubt had some knowledge of him because he regarded him as Lord. He turned to him and the first word he spoke unto Jesus was, Lord, remember me. If the Lord Jesus is our Lord and our Saviour, what a privilege, an eternal privilege. <clears throat> For he who has helped us hitherto will help us all our journey through. And through all eternity. Or in eternity. We say through eternity, don't we? But it's a state <clears throat> with no end. We enter into eternity either to be lost or saved, but it's a situation that is boundless, immeasurable. This endless eternity. And uh, he's not the first one to call him Lord. <clears throat> we go through the Old Testament. <clears throat> we read of many who refer to the Lord Jesus as their Lord. And uh, we have, uh, I think we referred to Bartimaeus this morning. <clears throat> he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Here we have one addressing the Lord Jesus as his Lord. And uh, this <clears throat> he uh, refers to because he can see the Lord Jesus as his only way of salvation. This man has done nothing amiss. And he realized that the Lord Jesus had a kingdom. And to all those thousands who were there in that Passover time, they might have observed this cruel crucifixion, and some might have thought, we don't know, but they, they might well have thought this man who set up to be the, a king on earth, his kingdom is no failing. His life is being taken. If so often if a king is taken, especially in those days from a situation, his kingdom is dissolving. But our dear Lord Jesus, no, his kingdom is made up of souls redeemed by his own precious blood. And this same Jesus is he who lives and reigns in the hearts and lives of souls otherwise lost. He said, Lord, remember me. <clears throat> and I think I'm right in saying, and I've looked through the scriptures, <clears throat> Judas who was a disciple with the others. He had the same teaching. He followed the Lord Jesus. But I can't find where he referred to the Lord Jesus as his Lord. He called him Master. He called him Rabbi. But I can't find where he called him Lord. And what a sad end Judas Iscariot came to. But this man, he realized his sinnership he realized his lost condition 
And his only hope was in our Lord Jesus, who was right next to him on that cross, numbered with the transgressors. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. <clears throat> he had a kingdom. And this man recognized him to be the, the king of that kingdom. <clears throat> kingdom, of course, means the king's domain. The Lord Jesus' domain is in heaven with his heavenly father seated at his right hand where he ever lives to make intercession for us <clears throat> and he will come again and when he returns he'll not come as saviour but as judge but here this man says Lord remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom what an answer Jesus gave him and Jesus said unto him, Verily, that means truly, absolutely, verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That dear man's heart must have been warmed. He would have been suffering, he would have been in immense agony. But our Lord Jesus rescued him from a lost eternity because this man had within him his soul awakened the wonders of grace were at work in his heart and soul and in his helpless condition he cried out if ever a man could say thy mercy my God is the theme of my song the joy of my heart and the the theme of my tongue thy free grace alone from the first to the last has won my affection and bound my soul fast this man could say it because of the reply that Jesus gave to him today thou shalt be with me in paradise he had a total dependence on the Lord Jesus and uh, he realized in all his sin that the only righteousness he could plead is the perfect righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we read of that in the uh, prophecy of Jeremiah where that um, word went forth. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. And there's a hymn, if you've got, got a copy of the little um, supplement book, Hymns for Worship, you'll find it in there, number 38, written by Robert Murray McChain, a very godly young man who died as a young man. And he wrote this wonderful hymn, I think it could well be his uh, testimony. It begins, I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger, I felt not my load. Though friends spoke in rapture of Christ on the tree, Jehovah Tsikinu, that is the Lord our righteousness, was nothing to me. When free grace, free grace awoke me, my light from on high, then legal fears shook me, I trembled to die. 
No refuge or safety in self could I see. Jehovah Chikinu, my saviour, must be. My terrors all vanished before the sweet name. My guilty fears banished, with boldness I came. When sealed by the Spirit through mercy most free, Jehovah Chikinu was all things to me. Jehovah Chikinu, my treasure and boast, Jehovah Chikinu, I cannot be lost. In thee I shall conquer, by flood and by field. My cable, my anchor, my breastplate and shield. And, treading the valley, the shadow of death, this watchword should rally my faltering breath. For if, from life's fever, my God set me free, Jehovah Chikinu, my death song shall be. The Lord, our righteousness. That eternal kingdom into which this vessel of mercy, this poor ex-criminal was brought into, that eternal kingdom is secured by the death and the perfect righteousness of our Lord Jesus, which has for all eternity satisfied God's justice. A kingdom built up with souls saved by grace through the gift of faith. And uh, life is uncertain. One of these criminals was lost, one was saved. Saved that we should not despair. And if there's one listening this evening, it may be online, it may be in this little chapel, but we do um, trust, friends, that with our scriptures before us and by the wonders of grace, God will bring us each to a saving knowledge of himself. There's a hymn that we sometimes sing, uh, <clears throat> Trust in Him. Ye tempted saints, tell him all your sad complaints. He a present help will be, give you strength and victory. <clears throat> victory over death, which is the, the, the effect of sin. And this sure promise that was given to this man, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And we read... Um, <clears throat> those um, wonderful words in the um, prophecy of Isaiah my word shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please <clears throat> and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it what a blessing it is that we have these wonderful um, truths to um, look into to encourage ourselves by because those who are the recipients of uh, the perfect righteousness of Christ, his righteousness 
he has made over to otherwise lost souls. The righteous shall hold on his way. We read in the scriptures, we sometimes sing about him. And we should remember <clears throat> what a blessing it is when we uh, hear of souls saved <clears throat> and brought into that everlasting kingdom of grace. Brings us right back to the man <clears throat> in the parable. Having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost. <clears throat> in case he might find it? No. We read, until he find it. This is God's invincible grace. Everyone to whom he had an eternal purpose of grace will be saved until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders. He carries it. It doesn't come to him by their own efforts. <clears throat> he carries it. He takes the full weight. He puts it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbours, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, yes, my sheep, it's his, he's purchased it, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And so as we come to a close this evening, may the Lord bless his own word to our prophet and to his praise. Amen.